0: The Secrets of Doctor Who is brought to you by the Star Quest Production Network, and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, episode 206. One day, I shall come back. That's it. I've been renewed.
1: As when a Time Lord's body wears out, you regenerate. I'm a time lord. I'm not a human being. I walk in eternity. Bravehearty. Change, my dear. And it seems on a
0: moment too soon. Unlimited rice pudding. Position sir Wearing a bit thin. Fantastic. i am Scottish.
2: I can complain about things. She'll be fine.
0: Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, where we discuss everything about the hit BBC series, absolute Fa- no Doctor Who, of course. And today—what else would we be talking about? Today we're discussing the 11th Doctor premiere of his second season called The Impossible Astronaut. And joining me today on the panel are Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. And Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going? Very well, Thanks. Folks, remember to like The Secrets of Doctor Who on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Secrets of Doctor Who, and you can also retweet us on Twitter, where we're at SQPN, and uh, engage with us on social media. We love to hear from you and hear your comments, and when you share our show, it helps the show's community, and, and, and that's what we think of it as. It helps it grow, so we really appreciate it. So yes, we're talking about The Impossible Astronaut, which is the first of a two-parter for the season premiere. It it first aired in April of 2011, and hmm. it, which was, a, which was a, uh, I forget, it was almost over a year. Well, there was the Christmas episode of Christmas Carol, which we've already talked about. But there was also the Big Bang, which was the end of the previous season. And that was actually not quite a year, June of 2010. So I, I thought it was longer than that for some reason. To, uh, I think I'm thinking of a different season. Anyway, we're, we've got... This new episode that is it was a big deal at the time because it was filmed partially on location in Utah. Yep. Yeah, they give a um, and, uh,
2: uh, and Idaho. GPS coordinate. They give a GPS coordinate that yes. is the actual location they filmed at. It wasn't even like, a, oh, this could be it. It's like you go on Google Maps right. and it's Monument Valley, which is Arizona, or Utah, yeah. which is where they filmed it, at least right. that it's- scene.
0: Just over the border from Arizona. But yeah, yeah that where the, where so many movies have been filmed. <laughs> yeah, although
1: And although they did it a little differently, they evoked the landscape without sh- giving us the classic shot of the Mitten Rocks from mm-hmm. uh, from Monument Valley. So right. we didn't see them as they're normally portrayed.
0: That's right. That's right. I did go onto Google Maps, of course, because I wanted to see yep. it. And uh, there is not a lake for a long ways. That is a nope. pretty dry, barren part <laughs> of Utah. Which is why
2: it's used
1: as desert land. Yeah. There was also, they made a major push, and one of the reasons this episode is so America-themed is mm-hmm. because Stephen Moffat was trying to expand the show in the American market. And so there was a big publicity push, and they were trying to do this episode, and it worked. The, the, the American audience for Doctor Who grew enormously with mm-hmm. this season, mm-hmm. but they're trying to use this as a stepping-on point four Americans. And you may notice that at the beginning of this episode, we have this historical montage of the Doctor in different time periods, played for comedy, Mm -hmm. cutting back and forth to Amy and Rory. And then before we go to the opening credits, there's this montage where Amy recaps the premise of the show. You know, that she was a little girl, she had an imaginary friend, and then when she grew up, he came back, and he did the doctor, he travels in space and time, and I go with him, and so it's like, everyone in England knows this. Mm -hmm. Why do we have this recap of what the show is about? And Mm -hmm. I I think it's an attempt to tell the new American audience they're hoping to capture what the show is about, if you haven't been watching it since the Tom Baker era like I have. Yeah. And I think it comes off, I mean, it succeeded, but I think uh, their overall effort succeeded, but I thought it was a little ham-fisted to sort of force that in. And I tried imagining, suppose I was an American who had never seen this show before, how well would I follow all of this? And I concluded, not very well, Mm -hmm. (laughs) not not in this episode.
0: Well. Actually, that's kind of something I wanted to, to to bring up was when I when I got to this. Now I'd been watching the the Doctor Who for a bit at this point, but when I got to this episode, uh, these two episodes, I found when I first watched them very confusing. I have to say, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because you, you know when you first watch it, you don't know who the Impossible Astronaut is. You've got this whole weird, you know, the Doctor's dead. But we'll get to that. But and I just thought. If I'm a new viewer to this, coming at this cold, I'm going to be very confused right through the first episode, and pro- uh-huh. and frankly, I was confused through the whole thing. I, I when I got to the end of these two episodes, I wasn't quite sure what happened. I enjoyed it, I had fun, but I wasn't quite sure what happened here, and so that was kind of I thought that was interesting. And they
2: are kind of confusing episodes because we've got this is you know Stephen Moffat for the first time playing with the Doctor's timeline as dramatically as he ends up doing you know he jumps 200 years or jumps back 200 years from the beginning of the episode to the the when they see him the second time you know it's 200 years difference well that that's the first time in who that we'd seen that dramatic of a jump at one time especially in one episode but so that that really didn't help the confusion either where he he starts he's starting to play with his timeline so dramatically and then of course we've got the the later to the newer or er, earlier, as well.
0: So let's jump in, and and I I do want to kind of mention the the doctor's antics in history. Uh, so he when he's trying to get Amy and Roy's attention in 2011, getting arrested in the court of Charles II. Uh, he's apparently naked with the the king's either the queen or mistress. I'm not quite sure. Be, um, be posing for a portrait. Po- sorry, posing for a portrait. Uh, and saying it's not what you think. <laughs> he never explains what it is. But he's... Yep. Then he's breaking out of a German POW camp in World War II. So like oh, like something out of The Great Escape. Except
1: uh, instead of tunneling out of the camp, he's managed to tunnel into the commandant's office.
0: Yep. Yeah. It's more the Hogan's Heroes, actually, <laughs> if you want to think yeah. about it. I'm going to say your Schultz in the background. And then he shows up in a Laurel and Hardy silent film, which is funny because Rory's watching it but mm-hmm. turns his head and doesn't see the doctor well, not, on screen just, as it not happens. Not just he's
2: watching it. He's watched it number of times. It's one, like one <laughs> of his favorite Laurel and Hardy episodes.
0: <laughs> yes, right. Uh, and that's when they, the postman delivers a letter that Amy gets, and it has the number three on it on the outside. It's TARDIS blue, the envelope. And inside is an unsigned card with the, the map reference that we talked about and a date and a time, April twenty second, two 2011, 4.30 p.m., mountain time. So Which that's would be the clear. time
2: that this episode most likely broadcast
0: here in the United States. Actually, yeah, actually, it might have been it the was... day before, uh, because this says the premiere broadcast, according to the TARDIS Wiki, was April 23rd. 3rd, okay. So, so it might uh, be 24
2: hours before or something like that. I can't, I'm trying to remember yeah. what, you know, of course, this was, you know, nine years ago, but I'm trying to remember uh, when right. it broadcast. but it would have been, you know, in the evening about Four four thirty somewhere in there at Mountain That's time, because it would April be evening East Coast time.
0: Two thousand eleven. I am trying to think of what day of the week that was. That was. There's, there is. I mean, there is always a, a, a website that does the sort of nonsense. it was a Friday, so yeah. yeah so then so Saturday would have aired aired the been the after. release. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So and then River gets the uh, the same uh, message, but hers is labeled number two. So we then jump to Utah the The doctors, the Amy and Rory get off a school bus that they've apparently hitchhiked on, and the doctor's on the side of the road with an old, v- beautiful, vintage station wagon. By the way, fifty
2: nine uh, Edsel Villager station wagon.
0: <laughs> Very good. And when he, when he
2: kicks off of it, when he kicks off it, I could imagine the owner going,
0: "Ooh." <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, and uh, River then shows up too with a six gun, uh, you know, a, a Colt forty five Peacemaker, uh, apparently. That she uh, uses to shoot the the uh, cowboy hat off of the doctor's head. But and, by the way, uh,
2: stetsons are cool. Yes, they are very cool. Stetsons are very cool. Uh,
0: they go to a diner. Which is this the same diner that yes. we see? Okay, this yes. is the same this diner that
1: becomes Clara's tardis eventually.
0: Okay, all right. Let's double check on that. And uh, so they go to the the diner. Then they go to on a picnic. So the doctor says, "We're gonna wanna, we're going on a picnic." And then we're going to, as he says, says Space 1969, which is a, a bleak reference to the old TV show Space 1999.
1: By Jerry Anderson, which would have <laughs> been familiar to the British audience because it was an American-British production.
0: Yes. Oh, so I remember it. It was very weird, but they had the <laughs> coolest spaceships. So let's just put it that way. Yeah. It also <laughs> moved really slowly. Yes, yes. I mean, as a kid, I remember it, and I remember mm-hmm. like being thinking it was really weird. <laughs> so at the lake... So they're, at, they're having this picnic at the lake, and the doctor says that he's now one thousand one hundred and three, eleven hundred and three years old, and he was nine hundred and eight the last time he saw Amy and Rory. So, as you said, it's been about two hundred years. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's sort of break the the into this, for, you know, the the fourth wall here and look at this from what we know by the end. So this, because because do this we is the want to do kukus- that? Well. I'm trying to. I'm trying to put the. I mean, we could come back to it, I guess. But I'm trying to put the things together. But maybe we'll come back to it when it's revealed in a little bit, in a couple scenes. All right, let's do yeah. that. Okay. Yep. So, um, while they're having the picnic, Amy sees this figure standing on rocks, silhouetted against the sun. Uh, that she's like, well, "Who's that?" And Roy's like, "Who's who?" She turns to him, "What?" And doesn't remember even saying what she had said. So this is the first appearance of. The silence and their memory-altering ability.
1: Except we never learn that's who they are in this episode. Right. We are never told they're the silence. We're just... And I think this is interesting because... And I think it's one of the more effective aspects of this episode is that we see these really creepy-looking creatures Mm -hmm. in business suits, and we learn from watching interactions that you lose all memory of them as soon as you turn away from them. Yes, and that's very effective. That's very creepy. They look very creepy, and we're never told anything about them or what their name is during this whole episode, mm-hmm. where they're just right. these mystery figures that have scary abilities.
0: Yes, it's yeah. The, they do a great job here of show don't tell. They they just let us discover what these things are. Then a the pickup truck shows up with an old man in it, and the doctor recognizes him, and it's G. Morgan Shepherd who is the father of, he Mark plays Canton Everett, Yeah. who is the father of Mark Shepard, who plays the young Canton Everett. I thought that was just awesome casting. That's good casting, uh, yeah. Th- and, of course, great actors.
1: It's nice to see G. Morgan Shepard without all the prosthetic makeup, because he normally plays aliens. I mean, he's been like a yeah. uh, Klingon on Star Trek. He was a Narn war leader on Babylon 5. And, hmm. and he's got this very distinctive voice. And I, I always... Yeah. recognize g morgan shepherd but normally i don't get to see him with just his normal human appearance
2: well he, he fits the look of somebody who's driving a you know big old ford f-150 out in the <laughs> it, desert i mean he just gets yeah, that look and that voice you know speaking of knowing people kind of like that around here you know he's <laughs> kind of you would fit in you know you could see him walking down through like montana and town yes. and no one would think anything of him
0: uh, I I do want to note that he uh, passed away last year, so rest oh. in peace, uh, Mor- uh, Morgan Shepard. And uh, so, um, so he he shows up.
1: Also, in this scene, both in the diner and at the picnic, the doctor has been foreshadowing the fact he's about to die. Mm-hmm. He's, right. been dropping, he's been dropping li- dropping little hints to prepare yeah. Amy and Rory and River for that.
0: And and that's when we get the. Most uh, bizarre uh, thing here, which is an astronaut suddenly appears standing in the water of the lake nearby. Lake, by the way, we should mention it's lake called Lake Silencio, Silencio. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, a, ver- a clue to what's g- coming this season. Uh, the and the doctor says, "Stay here. Whatever you do, don't inter- interfere, intervene. Just stay where you are." And he goes to meet them. He apparently knows them, talks to the to whoever's inside, but doesn't. We don't hear it. Uh and then the yeah, person they, in they, the suit
1: they, the visor of the astronaut starts to raise and they cut yes. away so we can't see who it is but the doctor knows who it is. Also right. I want to just comment that the astronaut in the lake is such an iconic creepy image. Mm-hmm. It's another it's another I think big success for this episode of just with an yes. image. Wow that is creepy. Yep.
0: It's probably the uh the the uh, image that you see in the episode artwork for this episode because mm-hmm. what else am I going to pick? Uh And so this astronaut shoots the doctor, apparently kills him because uh, he begins to regenerate.
1: Right. And And then the uh, astronaut shoots him again and the regeneration energy stops.
0: Yes. So if you kill, if you shoot, if you shoot a Time Lord in the middle of regeneration, uh, it, it kind of (laughs) stops the reboot. Short circuits. (laughs) Short circuits him. Uh, So they let's out the magic smoke out of the chips. And yeah. uh and so he's dead. The doctor's dead. And what a way to start the season. You kinda you're kinda sitting here going, he's not really dead, right? Like as a fan, you go, and he's not mm-hmm. of course he's not really dead. But then Canton Everett, uh, Delaware, cant uh, Canton Delaware I should call him, which is <laughs> a, a crazy name. Uh he gives them the gasoline that the doctor said he they would need. They have they have a Viking funeral for the doctor, and boom, you're sitting here as a fan going, What just happened? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Also, very nice imagery. This is very well directed. Uh, when they do the, the funeral pyre for him, I mean, Rory, it's Rory's idea to put him on a boat. And so right. you've got this this angled shot with, at the upper, mid, left of the screen, you've got the doctor's body on fire on the boat. And then you've got Rory, as we move to the right and to the foreground, you've got Rory coming back from pushing the boat out into the water. Mm -hmm. Then you've got River watching. Then you've got Amy closest to the camera, and they're all facing the doctor's boat. So you have this line that directs your attention towards the boat of the doctor's friends in silhouette, because this is after sundown now,
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and
1: we can see the fire really well, and it's a very cinematic shot, and it's, it's very moving. Also, I noticed that immediately upon the doctor dying and river announcing he's dead amy is saying then he's a clone a duplicate yeah. right and it's like okay we're going to do something like that by the end of the season yep
0: <laughs> well and it, and it's also a way of like of sort of voicing what the fans are are saying right at this moment yeah. it right. it must be a clone or duplicate and saying nope <laughs> nope yeah. we're uh, undermining all of your expectations uh, this is, this is going to be something different.
2: Uh, one thing, one thing I like in this scene too, is this is a chance for Rory and river to stand out because yeah. Amy just falls apart. She's just yeah. gone. You know, like you said, you know, there's a clone, there's a duplicate, this can't be real. And they're like, we got to deal with this. You know, that right. line about, you know, uh, even a cell of a time Lord body is a miracle, you know, and is, yeah. would be sought after. You know, and it's like, we got to do something about this, and then we'll worry about grieving after well, we take care of this.
0: And it turns out this particular Time Lord, unbeknownst to anyone, <laughs> his uh, his body is uh, also, so. yes, Spoiler, much even more so. Spoilers for
2: last, most recent yeah. season.
0: <laughs> yes, spoilers, Timeless Child. So uh, Delaware has an envelope, numbered four, so he is one of the envelopes. We still haven't seen number one. Who does who does number two do work for? And, <laughs> Sorry. And, <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> and
1: river River deduces therefore there must be a missing envelope that's numbered one. She right. also infers from the numbers that they're in the order of the people of of trust. So she's yes. number two. The doctor trusts her the most of the known envelopes. Yeah. Then, by the time he's eleven hundred, at any event. Yep. yep. The three, he trusts Amy and Rory less than River, but still trusts them a lot. And then Canton Everett, he trusts less than Amy and Rory, so he's number four. So she deduces number one must be the person he trusts the most. And she's explaining to Rory and Amy that it's going to be the doctor when he just walks into the diner. Yeah, he comes out
0: of the the back room (laughs) from where the TARDIS is parked, yeah. Yep. that's interesting. So, so and by the way, uh, Canton tells them, um, "I won't be seeing you again, but you'll be seeing me," which is typical, yeah. you know, Time Lordy Doctor Who stuff. But yeah. yeah so the so he walks out of the back room. He's clueless about what's going on. Hey, everybody! They have he has the envelope with number one on it,
1: and and River is really angry. She yeah. says, "This right. is cold, even for you." <laughs> and he's like, yeah. "Or hello, as we used to say." <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. And
1: she slaps him, which is nice to see.
0: Yep. Yeah, because she thinks he's pulled one over on them. She doesn't realize what's going on. And then eventually not they ask bullying. him, yeah. Yeah, yeah, how old are you? And he says, I'm 909. So in this case, it's been a year or yeah. some, or some mm-hmm. lesser part of it since he's seen Amy and Rory, not 200 years.
1: And this is also another nice moment where Rory and River get to shine. So it's not all Amy in mm-hmm. the spotlight. Rory mm-hmm. and River figure out how this is possible before Amy does. That this yep. is a younger version of the Doctor, and, that, and that's that's right. where they
2: ask. That's Rory, Rory, and River figure it out, and Amy's just she can't she can't wrap her mind around her, and that's where River says, "Ask him how old he is."
0: Yes, right, right. And this is this is a case where the as the audience, we know more than the Doctor, so so right. we're in on like spoiler, sweetie. We're in in like, River's shoes at this point, like she usually is. Knowing more than the doctor does, which is well, an and, interesting and, point of view. And they,
2: they, they show that really interestingly because when they were out at the beach with the doctor, they're flipping, or no, they're at the, the first time they're in the, with the older doctor. In the diner. They're sitting there flipping yeah. through their, their journals of what have we done? Where have we been? Yes. And then it's, she asked about, was it Joe the fish? And the doctor's like, fish. Jim the fish. Yeah. And it's just like, that sounds interesting. I don't know who this person <laughs> yeah. is, though.
0: Right, where the first time they had done it, so in that two hundred years they had uh, had their adventure with Jim the fish. Yep. So, uh, yeah, so he's wandering around, wa- wandering around, wondering why everyone's mad at him. Which <laughs> I, I I could kind of sympathize. I've been in the not the same position. What, uh, what but, did I not
2: do, or what did what, I do that I should not yep. have done? <laughs> All
0: right, what did I do? It's it's a married guy thing. But <laughs> so River <laughs> says the, she says the doc, to, to Amy and Rory. The doctor's death doesn't scare her, her, nor does her own. Because there's a far worse day coming for her, and she doesn't elaborate. And I'm trying mm-hmm. to. Rem- I, I'm not sure I remember exactly what she's referring to. Oh no, uh, they explain it later no. in
1: the episode. Later in the oh. episode, Rory says, "So what were you talking about?" And she oh, says, yeah. "Well, the the first day I met the doctor as a little girl, he knew all about me, and I didn't know anything about him. Do you know what uh, that does to a little girl? So she, mm-hmm. so she apparently imprinted on him like a little bird." Mm-hmm. That's and right. we will she see that. became became obsessed with the doctor. And then because they meet in the wrong order and even though they don't have to, they meet in reverse order. There's she knows there's coming a day where he, she will know everything about him and he won't even recognize her. Right. Right. And that she and she says, and I think it'll kill me. And we know it does because yes. we've seen this. It's silence in the library, forest of the dead. That's yep. the day she looks at him, and he has no clue. And yep. she does indeed die. And with this line, in hindsight, it raises a question about her self-sacrifice in that episode. Mm-hmm. You know, did she decide? Okay, he doesn't know me anymore. I, and he won't if we continue to meet in this order. I don't want to live anymore. So I'm willing to sacrifice myself now.
0: Hmm, that's an interesting point. It's interesting, yes, especially since they just had she had the the long night at mm-hmm. uh, I can never remember the name of that the 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 chimes of the singing
1: towers of of uh, now now if you'd asked me a second ago I could have told you <laughs> derrillium the Duralium. singing towers yes. of derrillium
0: yes, yes 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 thank you uh so the so the doctor's kind of put up, put out by the fact that they're all mad at him he doesn't know why and so he's had enough. He says, and he's going to drop them off and not go to 1969, and because he's like this, something is something is off here, and I'm not, I'm not having it. I don't like being the guy who doesn't know what's going on. And River asks him to trust her, and he tells her, "I don't know who you are or why you're in prison." Like it's basically, how can you you want me to trust you? But I don't even know who you are, really, Mm -hmm. and you've never told me why you're in prison. Which and he asks
1: specifically, "Who did you kill?" Yeah, because Father Octavian told him that. That she killed somebody.
0: Right. And uh, we'll find out who, uh, but not in this episode. So then we we jump to 1969. There's this guy in the bar. It turns out it's Canton Everett, Delaware, the younger, a former FBI agent who's recruited by President Nixon for a special mission in April 1969. Uh, There's this great exchange where Nixon says, you are my second choice for this, Mr. Delaware. And he says, that's okay. You are my second choice for president, Mr. Nixon. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's a great line. Yeah. Uh, I, I love that. Uh, you,
1: you, they they try to balance it, but you can tell that there's Moffat is not a Nixon fan.
0: Well, yeah. I mean Nick, Nixon is the easiest punching bag yeah. for president, at least in 2011. Yep. <laughs> mm. So the the doctor, I like that the doctor wants to land uh, where in 1969, cloaked and silent, but River has to go around surreptitiously fixing the TARDIS controls for him so that they can yeah because uh, he always drives with the emergency brake on oh. apparently
1: yeah he tries to put the engine on silent and she fixes and it squeals and she fixes that then he says I'm yeah. going to turn I'm going to cloak as turn us invisible he flips a switch and she has to flip something else to fix that and he says right. the the scanner won't work while we're cloaked and she's like, "Oh yeah, right."
0: And, <laughs> <laughs> and she and she and he, she plays dumb. Like, did you do something? No, I uh, no nothing. Nothing. I'm just admiring
2: uh, your magnificence. You know, <laughs> I I I do like that.
1: As they're preparing to land in 1969, you know, she they're catching us up because they've deduced it has to do with space and it has to do with Canton Everett the Third and it has to do with 1969. And they've tracked Canton Everett the Third to a location in Washington D.C. They don't realize it's the Oval Office. Right, but they know it's in Washington D.C. and and River is looking at this at the screen in the TARDIS and and rattling off a few things about Nixon's era. It's like okay, Vietnam, Watergate, some good stuff too. And the Doctor says not enough, and she says hippie, and she he says archaeologist, um, w- which is
2: which
1: is which is a nice exchange. I like the fact that in this, even though Nixon is the easy punching bag for American presidents because of the way his tenure ended. Mm-hmm. I like that they try to treat him fairly yeah. in this. Right. He's not a bad guy. He's not the villain. He's, yeah. he's not the villain. Was, by the way, April of 1969, so that's a, just after Nixon had been sworn in for the first time. Mm-hmm. This right. is the very beginning of Nixon's first uh, term in office, and the the big, huge problems don't become public until the second term. Right. Um. In fact, he wins re-election in 1962 by a landslide. So I mean, it's just a com- 72. Yeah. It's yep. it's just a complete wipeout. Right. So he was incredibly popular for much of his time with voters. But I I like that they're trying to be fair. I like that River notes he did some good stuff. I wish they'd named some of it. Mm-hmm. You know, like the only Nixon can go to China. Right. You know that right. the rapprochement with China was a good thing. The détente. With the Soviets, that was a good thing. Yeah. He did other good things, too. And frankly, she mentions Vietnam as if it's a bad thing, which it was. But guess what? That wasn't his fault. JFK and LBJ Mm -hmm. started and accelerated the war in Vietnam, and Nixon inherited it. And in fact, it ended not well, but it ended during his tenure.
0: Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It, it, It was essentially heading to what was eventually the end of it. Which happened in, in, in Gerald Ford's, Ford. yeah. Yep. So they uh they land the TARDIS lands silently in the Oval Office and cloaked as Nixon is playing for for Delaware this tape of a little girl who's been calling him directly every night for weeks and Delaware kind of points out yeah well, I'll call him Ken calls points out you're the president no one can just call you and he says it's a direct call every time every day the last two weeks and uh. He says it's neither man nor woman, but it's clearly a little girl. Anyone?
1: Well, they tell us, Canton first asks, is it a man or a woman? And he says, neither. And that is a fake out to us, the audience, because if we're fans, we're expecting it's an alien. It's neither a man nor a woman. And then he plays the tape, and it's clearly a child, which Canton then spells out for us. Oh, it's a child. Nixon says it's a boy. And Canton says, how do you know? Because children's voices sometimes over a primitive phone can be hard to distinguish. Mm-hmm. Right. And you kind of could see it going either way. I mean, it sounds like a girl, but m- maybe it's a boy. But then uh, Nixon asks the child on the recording, who are you and where are you? And the child says, Jefferson Adams Hamilton. And Nixon infers that it's a little boy named Jefferson. Jefferson. And he refers to the child as Jefferson after that. Yes. But as the doctor will realize, the the child is not answering the question, who are you? The child is answering the question, where are you? And is looking at a street sign where there's an intersection that says Jefferson, Adams, and Hamilton is three intersecting streets, which then enables them to track the child.
0: Right, to the only place in Florida, because this has to do with space. Uh, And so he finds it there. But I, I want to jump back quickly just to, to the Oval Office because I like the moment when the doctor is sort of standing behind uh, Canton, who's sitting at the res- desk with Nixon, who and Nixon's not looking at him. He's he's got his back to him, and he's taking notes, standing behind yeah. them outside of the TARDIS, and doesn't realize that Nixon has turned around and now sees this guy standing there in the Oval Office, uh, and then the the uh, and, and, and only
1: only sees him because the TARDIS is invisible.
0: Right, so the Secret Service comes running. The TARDIS appears, uh, and then and then somehow the Doctor ends up behind the Resolute desk, like a, a, a you know the, he kind of uh, gets loose from the uh, the Secret Service, and then uh, he says, uh, "Fellows, the guns really. I just walked into the highest security office in the United States and parked a big blue box on the rug. Do you really think you can shoot me?" And River says, "They're Americans. Oh, don't no. shoot. Definitely, don't <laughs> shoot." <laughs> <laughs> Yes. You're not in uh, the frankly,
1: yeah, we we totally could shoot you. That's that that's (laughs) yes. (laughs) So I also like leading into the scuffle, there you know, initi before that happens, the Secret Service tackles him and I like his the doctor's line. He's like, River make her blue again and she (laughs) ditches the cloak and the TARDIS appears, which amazes them all and gets them to stop.
2: Well, I like even before that he says River, you you fixed the, the was it how you already fixed the scanner,
0: right? Yeah. basically you know, like,
2: I know you fixed the scanner already.
0: <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Uh, so the doctor, they talk about the doctor infers that the girl is in Florida because she mentions Spaceman on the, uh, the, that she's scared of the Spaceman in, on the tape. And that's where spacemen are in 1969, except they're actually Texas. in Houston. Yeah. So, but we'll, we'll kind of glide past that, uh, that little mistake there. Uh, Amy, and they were in Nevada, right? Well, yes, yep. Because they uh, were
1: prepping out in the desert for moonwalks. That's right. But we can go with it. Yeah, the spacemen live in Florida. They, they were launching from
0: Florida, and yeah. Let's make it simple. Uh, Amy, uh, uh in the, they're in the midst of planning. The you know that the the president has now accepted the doctor's help, and Amy says, "I need to abuse the ladies' room." So oh, she's, and they
1: were in Alabama too,
0: at Huntsville. Right, yeah, at at Huntsville.
1: The oh, you spent a summer there in the '70s working on the Skylab project.
0: Right. Oh, cool. I always mm-hmm. wanted to go to Space Camp, which was in Huntsville. Uh, uh-huh. But that's a whole other thing. Uh, so, Amy, <laughs> it, the, it gets a Secret Service agent to take her to the ladies' room, and when she goes inside, she sees the silence again, standing in front of her, sort of confronting her. And she's like, "What's going on?" She's getting not n- well. Actually, she sees the silence in the Oval Office. I'm, I'm sorry. Yep. And is nauseous at that point. And that's why she goes to the ladies' room, and encounters it again in the ladies' room, where it kills a woman who comes out mm-hmm. and sees it. And we get this the, this whole they really demonstrate to us the the memory forgetfulness aspect of the silence, where you look at it, you you see it, you turn away, you forget it. And uh, this plays it kills very her. naturally. Yeah, it plays yeah. very
1: naturally. Where she comes out of a out of a toilet stall and 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 sees Amy. And Amy warns her to back away from this horrible creature that's standing there in a business suit that is very frightening. And mm. she says, what? And she looks at it and says, oh, is that a mask? Is that a Star Trek thing? Is that <laughs> <Yeah>. you, Ben? <laughs> <laughs> it's a Star Trek. And Amy tries to get her attention to say, you've got to get away from this horrible, scary thing. And so she turns to face Amy and says, What? And Amy begins to realize that she has forgotten what's Mm -hmm. behind her, and she directs her attention, look at the thing behind you, and she looks back, oh, is that a Star Trek mask? Ben, is that you? Didn't I just say that? Mm -hmm. And that shows us that when you're looking at them, when you're not looking at them, you don't remember them. But when you do look at them, you can remember your previous interactions with them. Right. because she was able to remember, hey, I just said that a minute ago. And so we get a nicely demonstrated lesson in how silence memory tricks work. Yep. Right. And then the silence uses force lightning to kill her, mm-hmm. for, and she explodes. And for no apparent reason, this is the sacrificial red shirt to show us that the silence are a lethal threat. Mm-hmm. But yes. there's no in-story reason for this. And Amy even asks, Amy also, by the way, takes her camera phone from 2011 and takes a picture of the silence because she's figured out, I need to be able to remember this in the future. Yep. And she's hoping the picture that she'll find will be able to do that for her. Right. But she asks the silence, why did you kill her? And this is the only time a silence ever speaks in the series. Mm. And the silence says, joy. (laughs) Which is a really frightening answer, like it killed her for joy, but, you know, just for the joy of it. But then it says, her name was Joy. Mm. Your name is Amelia. right? And And it gives a message to tell the doctor what he must know and what he must never know. And apparently the what he must never know, because this has been a point of discussion between River and Rory and Amy, is we cannot tell the doctor about his future death in 200 years. Mm-hmm. And right. the silence seems to be urging her to tell the doctor about that.
0: And I note that it knows her name is Amelia, even though this is before she was born. This is 1969. Right. So it knows her somehow. Uh, so meanwhile, and then when she leaves, the Secret Service agents outside, say, are you okay? She's like, oh, yeah, fine. Um, you Because, know, of course, she doesn't remember. And then he sees her phone in her hand. What's that? It's my phone. Your phone? 1969. Cell phone. Right. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, Didn't have them, but she and she does remember she's supposed to tell the doctor something, but doesn't exactly remember yeah. why. And then the memory fades. Yeah. Yep. One,
2: one thing I like is they do just kind of a subtle chime in the background music uh, mm-hmm. to sh- to show kind of when the, the the memory fades from them. You know, right. not, you don't have to just rely on their like their facial expression of going from like horror to oh, there's right. nothing there. You know, there's yeah. that little little subtle kind of note to say, okay,
0: you know, yeah. their memory's gone. Ding. <laughs> Ding, yep. your mind is empty yep. so the uh the child calls the oval office again then the doctor and companions and canton go into the tardis to go get her canton has the usual reaction and it's rory's job to acclimate him because he's the the junior member of the tardis team <laughs> it's kind of kind of
1: like the the newest justice on the supreme court has to throw the annual christmas party
0: yes exactly yes uh so the uh and the doctor says the only place in America where three streets named Hamilton, Jefferson, and Adams intersect is in this town in Florida, which I don't think we actually get told the town, but it's in this place in Florida.
1: It actually uh, is. There, so there, I I forget which city it is, but it is – there is a city in Florida that has three street names, uh, ah. Jefferson, Adams, Hamilton, but they don't meet. They run parallel to each other.
0: Because right? <laughs> well, that's sort of logical. Those When you have presidential – founding father yeah. street names hamilton was uh, we all know now who alexander hamilton really was alexander hamilton and then uh <laughs> there is a moment the doctor says and dr song you've got that face on again she says what face the the he's hot when he's clever face this is my normal face. And he says, yes, it is. That's such a husband thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because you always think I'm hot and I'm clever. Uh, but, but th- this is when my wife uh, does her eye roll at me uh, when I use that. And just like River <laughs> does with the doctor at this point. Yeah, moment. Exa- exactly. They're, they are totally a married couple. So they're in this disused, empty, abandoned warehouse. They're being watched from the shadows by an astronaut. They discover some alien tech, but also some what was then cutting edge Apollo space, you know, mm-hmm. era Dear. tech? Yeah, the, the 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 suit basically. They discovered the astronaut suit, and it seems very strange. Like, why would this be here? Why would aliens be using it? This all confused me at the time. And and we'll, we'll, when we get to the next episode, we'll have to talk about it. But uh, this is when River discovers a tunnel. Uh, there's a uh, basically a, a manhole cover, and you know, that's been pushed aside, and she decides to go down into the tunnel and see what's down there. She sees the silence.
1: And yeah, and of course she forgets. So we have some more silence right. creepy games. But right. her phone from the 51st century tells her that there's a whole network of tunnels under the entire surface of the planet because, of course, they are. Of course. And that they're centuries old and nobody has noticed them for some yes. mysterious reason, which is presumably connected with the fact you can't remember the silence when you look mm-hmm. away. Yes. So you don't remember the tunnels they're hiding in.
0: Right. Right. And uh, when she goes back down, Rory goes with her, and this time the 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 aliens aren't there. Um, and this is where we have this discussion between River and Rory about how she and the dark are moving in opposite directions in time. And uh, then they find a maintenance hatch, uh, which River, of course, has to open. though <laughs> Rory says this is a bad idea, but it's locked. I have to open it. I mean, it's just asking to be open. She says. <laughs> and inside, they find the same controls system, the same control room that was in the time ship in the lodger. Mm -hmm.
1: So apparently, and we were told that someone was trying to build a TARDIS in the lodger, and apparently it was the silence, because they've got the same exact setup here.
0: Meanwhile, Canton and Amy discuss why he was kicked out of the FBI. Uh, They hear the little girl calling, and Amy says, I need to tell the doctor something. And we think it's what the... What the silence told her to tell him, but it turns out she tells him oh. that she's pregnant, and this is why she's expect- nauseous. I was
1: I was thinking she's going to tell him she's pregnant because she's been acting pregnant, early stage pregnant, all episode.
0: Mm. Right, exactly. Yeah, that the, the nauseousness was not from seeing the silence, but was from morning sickness.
1: Al- although they tr- they tried to throw us off of that because yeah. after Amy had some nausea, River had some nausea after seeing the silence as well.
0: Right, right. that's true. That's true.
1: So the astronaut comes out. Previously, the little girl had said to Nixon that the astronaut wants to eat me. Right. Mm. And when the astronaut suit comes out to, towards Amy and the doctor, the little girl is inside of it. And right. so she's been eaten by the astronaut.
0: Right. Now, what's happened at this point is, is Canton's on the floor. He's been knocked out and his gun is on the floor next to him. And Amy grabs for the gun because she wants to shoot the astronaut to stop him from killing the doctor in 2011. So she grabs the The, gun. The
1: thesis being, if we kill the astronaut now, it can't kill the doctor in 2011.
0: Right. Uh, So as the astronaut's lifting the visor, the doctor sees the little girl inside. Amy doesn't. She just whirls and shoots, which, I mean, she must be a crack shot. <laughs> uh, no, or not. We've seen that town <laughs> called
1: Hope or whatever it is.
0: Yep. Mercy, Mercy. Town called uh, Mercy, yeah. Yeah. And and then fires the gun and realizes that she's shooting at a, the little girl in the suit at the same time she pulls the trigger and that's where we end this episode. So, um answers next time, I hope. So, mm-hmm. um and that's where we uh wrap this up. So, any any last thoughts on this episode, uh, Father, Father Corey? Nothing here. Jimmy? I wanted to say,
1: uh, I thought the actor who played Nixon did a good job. Yeah. Uh, Nixon has an iconic look and an iconic voice or style of delivery. And this actor doesn't look exactly like Nixon, but he does the voice pretty well. I mean, you can tell it's not Nixon, but he, he does a good job. And I like the way that he portrays Nixon sympathetically. He doesn't, you know, go, because you can affect how you by your presentation of the lines that have been written for you, you can make the character sound sympathetic or unsympathetic. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, like, for example, I I remember, if you've ever seen the Laurence Olivier version of The Merchant of Venice, apparently Olivier, when he came in, was really, for his initial line readings, he was really hamming it up and making Shylock look like the most sinister guy ever. And the director said, "Do you just want to confirm every stereotype there is?" And he was mortified and played Shylock sympathetically after mm. that. And the guy playing Nixon here is also playing him sympathetically. And I note just how big of a contrast the treatment that Nixon gets here from Stephen Moffat is from the treatment that Donald Trump gets from Chris Chibnall mm. in yep. that in that awful Spider episode, right. Where he's the we have a surrogate for Trump who is played entirely unsympathetically.
0: That's true. That's true. Right. Um. Yeah. Different time. <laughs> it's only nine <laughs> years. <laughs> so one one note from me. It's not about the episode itself, but just uh, what was uh, at the beginning of it. Uh, this episode was dedicated in memory of Elizabeth Sladen. Yeah. Uh, Sarah Jane Smith, who passed away just uh 4 days before this episode first aired That's in right. on April 19th 2011. So I just wanted to 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 mention that she was mentioned. I mean Sarah Jane everybody loves Sarah Jane. So uh yeah. could, could not not mention her. Um I, and I I despite being a little confused, I really enjoyed this one. I mean I mm-hmm. enjoyed this two-parter uh because I mean River really has become come into her own and the doctor is somewhat Knocked a little off his pedestal, he feels a little less than Time Lord Victoria standing astride the universe, and is a mm-hmm. little more, uh, you know. He needs Rivers' help to get things done, and what? and you know is is out of and and, and is clueless at some points. Yeah, he, about he doesn't what's know really everything. On. He doesn't know yeah. everything.
2: He's not the smartest guy in the room, at least as far as the events of this is concerned.
0: Right,
1: and where we're heading with all this is this is him reeling it back from the. Hello, Stonehenge. <laughs> yes. Who's gonna come at me first? Right. This because he's he's gotten too big, and this is this whole arc is him pulling back.
0: Right from that. That's where That's we're right. heading.
1: And so Stephen Moffat is addressing one of the problems, which is the Doctor's arrogance. Mm-hmm. Right.
0: All right. So uh, before we wrap things up, we do have a little bit of listener feedback on our episode 200 that we recently had. Uh, and this is from uh, Talon Schultz who sent an email this was our 200th uh, episode uh, celebration where we talked about our essential Doctor Who episodes and he he says i just listened to your latest podcast and wanted to point out that when you said that day of the doctor was the only modern multi doctor story besides fugitive of the fugitive of the jadune and time crash which is a mini episode you were mistaken there is also the 2017 christmas special twice upon a time that has Doctors One and Twelve, which, yes, that is true. You were you're right when we were we were off on that. <clears throat> Obviously, thrown off by the fact that it was David Bradley and not William Hartnell. And mm-hmm. uh, I, yeah. I mean, at least for me, that's why I was thrown off. So good. Well, good call.
1: also, it's the most recent and, in some ways, the least memorable.
0: Right. That's mm-hmm. true. That's true. Uh, he also offered his list of essentials for each doctor, and I'll just name off the essentials. Uh, for one, Dalek Invasion of Earth. Two, Enemy of the World. Three terror of the Autons. Four Genesis of the Daleks. Five the Five Doctors. Six Mark of the Rani. Seven Remembrance of the Daleks. Eight the TV movie. Although I on that I agree with most of them so far. On that one I might say Night of the Doctor um, is almost mm. better than it's better than the TV movie for the Eighth Doctor. But little mini I could for essential. Okay. Uh, nine Empty Child Doctor dances. Ten Silence in the Library of Forest of the Dead. Eleven Day of the Doctor. 12, Magician's Apprentice and Witches Familiar, and 13, Spyfall.
1: And I thought this was an interesting way of doing it. He did it differently than what we did, Mm which—what he he did was he picked one thing as the essential from each doctor. Yeah. This is great. And and it seemed to be—he seemed to be using the criterion of enjoyment more than mythology building for what counts as essential. Right. And, uh, and I think that's an interesting way of approaching it. Yeah. It'd be, yeah. I was tempted to do something similar and say, okay, if I, if I used those criteria, what would I come up with? Right.
0: Yeah. Like, cause if you wanted a, the, the essential episode for the 13th Doctor, for, for instance, I'd say Timeless Child or Fusion of the Jadoon or, you know, one of those yeah. because it, because the mythology aspect. But yeah, yeah, it's be interesting. We've done our favorites, by the way, mm-hmm. in the past for, I think it was 100, might have been 150. I forget what it was. But, uh, we, we've done that. so, But thank you, Talon, uh, for your feedback. Yes. We really appreciate it. And uh, so let's wrap things up there. Uh, we want to take a moment first to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create The Secrets of Doctor Who, including Jared S., Anthony M., Andrew E., Christopher V., and Natalie B. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give. Make it possible for us to continue The Secrets of Doctor Who and all the shows at StarQuest and our nonprofit mission of exploring the intersection of faith and pop culture. So you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. We'd also like to thank Victor Lambs, who edits this show for us every week. So that's it from us. What do you think of The Impossible Astronauts so far? We haven't gotten to the day of the moon yet. Let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com or the Secrets of Doctor Who Facebook page, or send an email to Who at sqpn.com. And like I said, we'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the second part of this two-parter, Day of the Moon. Until then, Father Corey Stika, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Doctor Who. Thank you, Dom. Jimmy Aiken, thank you as well.
1: This is cold even for you. Or thank you, as we used to say.
0: <laughs> and once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the secrets of Doctor Who on Starquest. And remember, I wear a Stetson now. Stetsons are cool. Right!